Today is the fifth day of our five-day hybrid session. Uh, it's the 9th of June, 2021. And this morning we're going to take up a koan. It's number 10 in the Mumon Khan, Sozan and Poor Seize. And the case goes like this. A monk, Seize by name, said to Master Sozan, I am poor and alone. I beg you, Master, to please make me rich. Sozan said, Venerable Seize. Yes, Master, replied Seize. Sozan said, You have already drunk three cups of the finest wine of China, but still say your lips are not yet moistened. Just a little bit about our two protagonists. Um, Seize's Chinese name is uh, Ching Shui, and um, we don't know anything really about him except uh, what we know from the case. Um, it's likely that he was known at, at the time of the um, recording of the koan because we, we have his name, but we don't know anything about him except what appears in the story. The other protagonist, Sozan, uh, his dates are 840 to 901, and his, his Chinese name is Cao Shan Benji, and he's the co-founder of the Soto School, Cao Dong in Chinese, with his teacher, uh, Dong Shan, Tozan in Japanese. So we'll just... Um, launch right into looking at the case. We'll come to the commentary in the verse later. I am poor and alone. I beg you, Master, please make me rich. So the first point to look at in this koan is uh, what is Seize's state of mind? Why does he come to Master Sozan. There are there are two plausible possibilities. First, that um, he's he's expressing his his experience of um, emptiness to Master Sozan. He says, I'm poor and alone. Alone, we could say, possibly like, like the baby Buddha. Above the heavens, below the heavens, I alone am the honoured one. Or the second possibility uh, is that he's, he's experiencing a dark night of the soul. So he's really in despair, feeling totally poor and alone. And look at each of these in turn. If, if in fact he's coming in a state of great, great emptiness to see Sozan, then his motivation for asking the question could be 
testing Sozan, just getting some Dharma uh, discussion going, Dharma interaction. But if if that's all there is to it, then it doesn't make much of a case for us to look into. Another possibility under the heading of this first uh, one is that perhaps he's stuck in his emptiness and is asking for help, sort of coming with the uh, question, well, okay, what comes next? Where do I go from here? Um, in his commentary on on the um, Mumonkan, Guo Gu, who's a, a Dharma successor to Master Sheng Yin, um, teaches, I think, in, in Florida, um, he takes the, this this um, this tack this uh, goes from the point of of um, considering Seize as being um, being somehow stuck in in, in emptiness. He in quotes he he puts words into Seize's mouth. I have nothing left, nothing to grasp, nothing to obtain, and no more attachments. What more is there to do? And then he comments, Guagu comments, on the one hand, this was a gesture to seek instruction. On the other, it was a challenge. How do you teach a man who has let go of everything? You let go of the notion of having let go and start living. This is why Sao Shan Sozan yells out, Venerable Shui, or in our vision, Venerable Seize. Yes, he replied. Sozan then continues, What a response. Having had your full of the finest home-brewed wine of Qingyuan, you still aim that you claim that you have nothing. And there's a little bit of decoding can go come, come in here with this wine of Qingyuan. In our version, it just says the finest wine in China. But uh, Qingyuan um, is also the name of uh, a Chan master. We actually recite his name when we do the ancestral line. Qingyuan Xingxie. He was one of the main disciples of the sixth ancestor, Hui Neng. And a, an early progenitor of the Cao Dong lineage, Soto lineage, of which Sozan was uh, one of the, the founders. So if saying that the, it's the wine of Cheng Yuan um, gives it another dimension, the teaching. But how does that relate then to his having answered yes to his to Sozan. Sozan says, Venerable Seize, and Seize replies, Yes, Master. What's that got to do with, with drinking this wine? That's another point here in the Khan.
Guogu continues with his commentary. He says, in this case, the monk responds to, to Sozan's call, but does not recognize his own response as the most natural function of the awakened mind. The response to what is seen, heard, smelled, tasted, touched, and thought. He dwells in what Chan refers to as dead emptiness, or the stagnant void of holding on to attachment, a state of being destitute. A little bit later he says, Even the teaching of emptiness or non-attachment is a construct that some attach to. People may mistake this inner freedom for some kind of blissful state, such as nothingness or emptiness. Or if they are clear of wandering thoughts, they may think that is emptiness. No, it is not. Emptiness is everything right now. It is the dynamic flow of our connectedness to everything. It is our natural ability to respond from moment to moment. It is fullness, connectedness, and relationships. It is the free response to the world, without being obstructed, without interjecting a self into all situations, in everything that needs to be done. There's um, a poem by, by Sen Sengai, that we can throw in here. What I call alone is to forget both alone and not alone, and again to forget the one who forgets. This is truly to be alone. Forget the one who forgets. This is truly to be alone. We have this, this virtually constant voice in our minds, judging, evaluating, reacting, scolding us, disparaging uh, us and others. And we, we suffer because of this. And this, this one, this, this inner voice or voices, I should say, go with us wherever we go. So in this in this uh, 
exchange, we can we can uh, recognize that the question that Sozan so skillfully asks, Venerable Seize, yes, Master, is it's really um, he's teaching Seize experientially, inviting him, we could say, to come back to free, unobstructed relationship minus those those um, concepts that he has around emptiness and aloneness that really appear actually not to be as empty and alone as he had imagined. This kind of um, approach is, is not restricted to Sozan, a much more recent teacher, Japanese teacher, um, Bankei from the Tokugawa era. Um, does a kind of similar um, teaching. A student came to see him, and this, this student said, my wisdom is tightly confined within me, and I am an unable to make use of it. How can I use it? And Banke says to him, Come closer, my friend. And then when the disciple steps a few steps closer to Banke, Banke remarks, How wonderfully well you are using it. look now at the, the second possibility that we have here in this um, approach by Seize to Master Sozan. I am poor and alone. I beg you, Master, please to make me rich. Another possibility is that Seize is experiencing what we call the dark night of the soul. This is, a, this is something that um, Robert Aiken Roshi explores in his uh, commentary to Mumon Khan. It, it may not have been something that was intended by the original compiler, but it's a possibility that yields rich material for us as members of our postmodern society where, where we live in a, a culture that, that um, subliminally sends us messages of, about our lack constantly almost and in which meaninglessness and despair and uh, pervasive depression all are uh, 
prevalent. So um, you can have a look at this, this other option. So Aiken interprets this, this question, this, um, I am poor and alone, I beg you, Master, please make me rich, as um, this, is his, this is again his paraphrasing or, or, or unfolding what Seize is asking. Everything is totally without meaning or purpose. The whole universe is nothing but a vast desert without a blade of grass or drop of water. There's no significance, no merit, no virtue in my life. I feel completely lost. And then he adds, Thus have students of all religions described their dark night experiences. Not only do students of religion encounter this fearsome valley, people everywhere sound its depths, a condition sometimes laughed off by their friends as a midlife crisis. This bleak state of spirit was called achidye by the early Christian teachers, a word that means spiritual sloth, according to the dictionary. Slothful, however, implies being lazy on purpose, and there is nothing intentional here. David the psalmist called this condition the valley of the shadow of death. William James called it the sick soul. Though it has negative names and a bad reputation, it is actually a very promising condition, an essential phase of, the sp of spiritual evolution. some words of, of uh, Jack Cornfields that fit in here and that um, were very um, helpful to me when going through such dark periods. Jack Cornfield says, It is a basic principle of spiritual life that we learn the deepest things in unknown territory. Often it is when we feel most confused inwardly and are in the midst of our greatest difficulties that something new will open. We awaken most easily to the mystery through our weakest side, the areas of our greatest strength where we are most competent and clearest tend to keep us away from the mystery. So to be, to be able to... Um, Remember that such dark nights uh, bring us closer to the mystery can make a huge difference. And Sozan presents the mystery to Seize when he says, Venerable Seize? And Seize replies, Yes, Master. continues once I consulted Father Thomas Hand a Jesuit retreat master about a chidier he said that people 
passing through this phase should be careful. First, to keep their schedule of religious practice, and second, to stay in touch with their spiritual guides. I think we can we can take his advice completely unfiltered here. Makes makes perfect sense. Keep your religious practice. It's so helpful just to have a schedule of religious practice, especially if you're doing solo retreat. It becomes an enormous support. Uh, of course, there are other supports when we, we sit together, but it is equally important when we do uh, sashin together. The, the just the showing up for each block of sitting, doing the chanting, doing the bows, all of these things can, take, can provide a, a vessel for all that we go through, the, all the ups and downs and and uh, pain and joy. Keep their schedule to keep their schedule of religious practice and stay in touch with their spiritual guides. Sometimes people feel that they they should be in good shape to go to Doksan. but actually, we probably need to go to Dogsan most when uh, things are a mess. When we feel most at sea, certainly. We can understand by this advice that it is important not to turn back at such a crucial point in one's development. When the Scottish philosopher David Hume reached a place like this in his intellectual quest, he found it frightening and turned for solace to his merry friends and a good game of backgammon. But Seize pressed on. He is more can take, he is more courageous, he is a more courageous model for us. Instead of giving himself up to the comfort of chess or a game of cards with his friends, he presents himself fully to Sozan. This is where I am. What should I do now? Most commendable, says Aiken Roshi. He goes on, We must be clear about Seize's position. Yamada Roshi says he is trying to examine the state of Sozan's consciousness to fathom the depth of his realization. This is exactly to the point, but it must not be interpreted to mean that Seize was already aware that his poverty and solitude were complete fulfillment. From the depths of his poverty, he examined his teacher as his own practice. In other words, he this wasn't just um, Dharma dialogue but coming out of a uh, profound need and um, questioning. Sozan, with marvellous directness, rises immediately to Seize's urgent request and calls out, Venerable Seize, and Seize replies, Yes, Master, that's a splendid presentation too. Sozan says, 
You have already drunk three cups of the finest wine in China, and still you may have said, you say you have not yet moistened your lips. And then he he talks again about the the this, the reference to the the ancestor. So he's um, Sozan's admonishing him that he's been exposed to the the teachings of the ancestors. But this is a more immediate understanding of this drinking of the wine. What what is else does it refer to? This is one of the points of the koan. Aiken goes on to um, talk about Meister Eckhart, the great Christian mystic, um, and what he had to say about spiritual poverty and realization, which is is uh, right at the core of this of this uh, case. He says it is interesting to see what Meister Eckhart has to say about spiritual poverty and realization. From his point of view, Seize might not have been truly poor when he came to Sozan. Perhaps he was still looking for something. You must, the Alta Meister said, be as free from your creature will as you were when you had not yet been born. Creature will is, is really another way of saying... Um, Small self, self-preoccupation. And then he quotes Eckhart. For by the everlasting truth, as long as you will to do God's will and yearn for eternity in God, you are not really poor. For he is poor who wills nothing, knows nothing, and wants nothing. He who is poor, who wills nothing, knows nothing, and wants nothing. Even wanting to fulfill God's will, Meister Eckhart says, has to be let go of. Even the yearning for God has to be let go of. Or we have from Shantideva, in a similar vine, vein. If there is no self-surrender, sorrow likewise cannot be avoided. You will not escape from being burned if you do not keep away from fire. I continues. So long as you seek peace of mind and Buddhahood, you cannot realize the peace which is the true poverty of spirit. You cannot acknowledge the Buddhahood of your own original nature, which wills nothing, knows nothing, wants nothing. Our ancestors in the Dharma sweated blood in their practice, but they were caught up in the process. They were not visualizing how it would be when it was over. They weren't um, yearning for a thing. Because as we've as we've said, 
before this week, as soon as there is that uh, grasping, there is the one who is doing the grasping. There's a separation, a split. Aiken comments on this this notion of not visualizing what it would be when it was over. He says, this is like any intensive period of change in human development. Adolescents, for example, do not constantly hold in mind the attainment of adulthood. They too are caught up in the process, struggling, struggling within the present. It is not experientially becoming or attaining. Externally it may be viewed as such, but internally it is not. Learn from your teenagers. Let your concepts of becoming and attaining go, and you will be truly poor, free to give your full attention to Mu. Now I'll just we'll look at the commentary. Seize assumes an obsequious manner, but what is his real intention? Sozan, with his penetrating eye, sees through Seize's mind. But be this as it may, tell me how the venerable Seize could have drunk this wine. Really the important question in this commentary is this um, is this last one. Just tell me how the Venerable Seize could have drunk this wine. Really this is asking us, how do we drink this fine wine? Actually we're drinking it right now. Can you see that? Can you see the way in which we're doing that right now? The Buddha said at his great awakening on seeing the morning star, wonder of wonders, all beings are Buddha, endowed with wisdom and virtue, lacking nothing. And it only, is only because their minds have been turned upside down by delusive thinking that they fail to perceive this. This, uh, the Sishin is uh, coming to an end. We'll all be going back to our regular lives and we won't be doing nine or ten hours of zazen a day or at least most of us won't imagine 
how how do we bring the spirit of our sitting to each moment it's helpful to to um, understand us as in as an attitude or an orientation where in which we don't have to be sitting in the in the zazen posture it's an inner attitude how do we how do we bring the wisdom of letting go to our relationships and our interactions keep in mind the the um, insubstantial nature of our internal and external life while at the same time not getting caught up on any ideas of that but responding cleanly openly kindly allowing our our focus to go beyond narrow-mindedness beyond i me and mine despair and depression when they come up how do we practice with them some uh, uh, suggestions in this regard from um, Jungian psychologist Marie-Louise von Franz um, can be helpful she she says if depressed be depressed go deeper into it listen go deeper and deeper don't try to escape if the depression says that life means nothing and nothing is worthwhile then accept that and say what about it listen go deeper and deeper until you again reach the level of the psychological energy where some creative idea can come out and suddenly at the bottom an impulse of life and creativity which has been overlooked may appear if we if we take this in in terms of our uh, our practice then we might say if the if the depression says that there is there is nothing life is nothing and that nothing is worthwhile then accept that and say well, what is what is mu right here what is this where is this coming from what's its nature going deeper and deeper until we until we reach some spark there's a story uh, about um 
Guishan and and Bai Zhang. Um, Bai Zhang asked Guishan to to stoke the fire, you know, see if he could get get it going again. And Guishan poked through the 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 ashes, but he couldn't find any fire. Then Bai Zhang got up himself, took the poker, and um, stirred the ashes and stirred the ashes and finally succeeded in finding a tiny live ember. And so he showed it to his disciple and said, Is this not fire? And we're told that Guishan at that moment had an awakening. We're so, we're so fortunate to have the Dharma that can, can shore us up when we're low. Remind us that those, those embers can be stirred to life. From in the depths of the ashes... From in the depths of our of what we were find most uncomfortable to face and unpleasant. Fritz Kunkel wrote about this, and I, I don't know who he is, um, but he says the amazing process begins with the decision not to fight against our vices, not to run away from them nor conceal them but to bring them into the light. If the desire to be honest is greater than the desire to be good or bad, then the terrific power of our vices will come, become manifest, and behind the vice, the old forgotten fear will turn up, the fear of being excluded from life. And behind the fear, the pain, the pain of not being loved. And behind this pain of loneliness the deepest and most powerful and most hidden of all human desires, the desire to love, to give oneself, and to be part of the living stream that we call brotherhood. Lastly, the verse, his poverty is like Hantan's, his spirit like that of Ko. Though he can hardly sustain himself, he dares to compete with the richest of men. Um, so this is referring to Seize. Hantan was somebody who, ancient China, who was proverbially poor, and Ko was a great general, someone of great spirit. So we could we could say here, um, uh, 
his poverty was like that of Gandhi, his spirit like that of Sir Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzing. I don't have to have a martial image here. Aitken Roshi comments on this, that if you are poor in a literal sense, then you'd better have a strong spirit. And these two have closely related. Um, of course, Seize was a monk, so he would have been materially poor. That's, that's the reference in the third line of the verse to he can hardly sustain himself, or at least one one part of what that means. And then it says, he dares to compete with the richest of men. When we're, when we're truly empty then we discover the richness all around us and, and within us. When, we, when we're truly without anything, then we're receptive. There's nothing in the way. And just end here with uh, a haiku. I'm guessing it's it's uh, probably um, oh, no, I'm not sure who who the writer is, but here it is. In my little hut, there is nothing. There is everything. We'll stop here and recite the four vows.